You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast, the only podcast where we unpack the good and sometimes bad theology in the songs that we sing. My name is Joel. Welcome again to the Theology of Music podcast. My name is Joel, and I'm so happy to have you guys here. I hope you enjoyed uh, the past few episodes, especially the one with Cliff and I. Uh, I did, specifically, not just because I love hanging out with my friend, but it was really nice to smoke a good cigar. Um, I still have another one, and I really want to smoke that one. I just have to find another occasion, because I can't just keep doing that. That's money, plus Joanna hates it when I smell like cigar. So there we go. Today is going to look a little different. I, I feel like this is kind of where we might go um, moving forward as as the podcast, taking a look at a song and then unpacking more uh, of, a, of a, not like a controversial topic, but a topic that's specific to, to kind of what's going on right now in culture, Christian culture. Um, it's actually kind of something that I did back in the beginning when the Theology of Music idea in in um series was a video series that i would do for coastal uh back in the day and so i'm kind of going back to the roots here a little bit um but i want to start with the origin for the phrase don't throw the baby out with the bathwater," and it's an idiom an idiomatic expression for what it means is for an avoidable error in which something good is eliminated when trying to get rid of something bad uh, and it actually derives from a german proverb Das kein Miet dem Bald Achschütten. There we go. There's my best uh, German. Uh, and the earliest record of this phrase is in 1512 in Beschwörung, Appeal to Fools by Thomas Murner. And it, it depicted a woman tossing out a baby with the wastewater, right? And so just remember this phrase don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because we're going to come back to that. Today we're going to take a look at the song Make Room, which is actually a song I really enjoy, uh, but specifically we're going to look at the bridge, um, because I think it's indicative of where we are as a culture, uh, as Christians in, in culture, in, is, is I, I would say more of the younger generations, the Gen Zs, and even millennials, uh, but the, the, the next generation in the church. Um, and so this song, Make Room, was written by quite a few people. Josh Farrow, Evelyn Heideriqui, Lucas Cortezio, and Rebecca White. Thank you, Rebecca White, for having an easier name. It was released last year, actually a few years ago, in uh, May, May 3rd, 2019. That's how much I know what what's going on right now with life. Um, and as you can hear, I'm, I'm still uh, allergies and my boys but it was uh there's a live version that's really good too um and it's by the church will sing featuring community music and Alyssa smith um and it's it's i like it it's really catchy uh i will say musically it's really cool and i enjoy it a lot um and and the verse is is good because the verse talks about surrendering uh michelle and i went when we were talking about christ the true and better she talked about surrendering because this was a song we i'd said you know we could possibly look at and it says, here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here's where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. The chorus is just, I will make room for you to do what you want to, to do what you want to. And then you repeat that. Um, and you repeat the verse again. So it's really simple and repetitive. And then the chorus is the same thing. But the bridge is what I want to look at right now. The bridge is, is something that I think 
is subtle, um, but it's it's tapping into something that I believe is significantly hurting the church, and that's deconstructing or deconstructing faith or deconstructionism. Right. So here's what the bridge says. The bridge says, shake up the ground of all my tradition, break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. And you just keep repeating that. Here's one thing that we always need to think about when we examine truth uh, or examine depictions in song of basically faith topics, right? Songs do that. Songs are supposed to, one, pull from scripture, uh, ideally pull from scripture. And then, you know, you can be poetic. You can be artistic and have some artistic license to really expand and explore themes. Um, but sometimes songs, especially worship songs, will they will touch on something that is happening, but they'll do it subtly in a way that engages you specifically through the music. So you, you're really into it and you sing things that are actually contradictory. So let me read this again. And I actually want to see if you guys can get this. Okay. We're going to do a little exercise here, a little test, a little test to see if your minds are sharp. And if not, that's totally fine. All right, so the phrase, shake up the ground. Okay, here, ready? Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Stop. Your way is better. Your way is better. What do you think immediately should stand out to you? What they're essentially saying is, my tradition and my religion is not your way. Is that Jesus's way? Now they don't say Jesus. Um, they say it before, but they really don't say Jesus at all in this song. So as far as Christ exalting, it's not really getting a lot of points there. Um, congregationally friendly, it is not gospel centered. It's not it's not really God honoring. It kind of is because they're saying we want. I want to make room for you, right, to do whatever you want to. But this part of the bridge, right, shake up the ground of all my tradition, break down the walls of my religion. Okay, okay saying essentially negatives here tradition negative religion negative your way positive they are in opposition to each other that is deconstructionism in a song subtly laced in the words hidden behind a catchy melody in building drums right okay so here's here's where some people might already be thinking you know hey Joel shut your mouth De i i need to deconstruct my faith because i didn't you know i didn't have a good upbringing i had a, had a rough church right here's here's I, I brought this up when cliff and i were talking about it if you were abused by the church like actually abused by the church right you know let's let's say you were physically or sexually abused by someone in the church okay one it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you in the church. And I'm so sorry that that happened. And I pray that God will continue to hopefully redeem that part of your life. Right. Um, but that just still doesn't mean you deconstruct because just because the church wronged and did wrong, the bride of Christ did wrong. Doesn't mean the bride itself is inherently a bad thing. Right. Like Christ in scripture lifted up the bride his bride the church the church is lifted up as an incredible institution created by god not man created by god right now we're not going to get into organizational and, den and denominations right we can we could spend 
hours talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the church, right? Yeah, so you could say denominations are bad or certain denominations. I'm not talking about, I'm just saying the church in general. If you came from a legalistic kind of church, I know it's hard to separate the denominations, so I'm trying to do it well. If you came from a legalistic church that told you you can't drink, you can't blah, 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 right? You know, you know they, were, they added things, they were pharisaical, right? That still doesn't mean that the church is bad and you need to deconstruct. Like I said with Cliff, we really don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because here's the problem, right? So I, I, I was even reading this article and it was making me physically sick because the article was so quick to equate the negatives in the church to white evangelicalism and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's not, it's not, it's not, all right? The church is not America, okay? Just because your exposure to the church is American church doesn't mean that the church is America, okay? The church is the bride of Christ, and you're just as bad as someone else in the church because you're a sinner, and they're a sinner, and they need Christ, okay? So let's start there. You're not, you're not all there just because you see that your church was legalistic, right? You're not better than them just because you've seen that, okay? So let's let's remember where we all stand. None are righteous, not anyone. Christ saved us, saved his bride, and now we can live for him. So some some people say that, you know, evangel evangelicalism in America is by is driven by a deep desire to be to be right rather than to do right right the the you're wrong the trump is the trump people the the nationalistic christians now yes there is and there are people that do that right but there're also people on the other side who are hurting the church too people who say they are christians but are practicing homosexual sleeping with men are doing the same type of damage as someone who believes that to be a, re a Republican is to be a Christian and to be a Christian is to be a Republican. You can hate me for saying that, but I'm not wrong because it's true. Sin is sin no matter the context. Your sin is no greater than another person's sin. Now, there is different and varying severity of the consequences of certain sin, but in, in regards to the church, if you are a practicing homosexual and claim to be in Christ, unrepentantly sleeping with a man in a relationship with a man or a woman, then you are on the same level as someone who says that you cannot be a Christian and a Democrat. It's just true. Why? Because it's sin. You are sinning against the bride of Christ. You are when you, especially let's say you're a pastor and you are a practicing homosexual in a relationship, sexual relationship with a man unrepentantly, and you say you're a pastor. You are harming the church just as much, if not more, than someone who says and is white that only white people can be Christians. Because you are not just being racist, because you're not being racist, you are leading people astray in a watered down, not even really the gospel anymore. So, and this is the problem, right? There's, there's, there's so much deconstruction of past and we throw the baby out with the bathwater. So this person, this article that I'm reading that just literally is making me sick reading it because there's just so much anger and resentment towards the church. 
you're losing everything good that came from the church when you were younger. Am I wrong to sit down with my daughters every night for dinner and read a, read a verse of the day and just unpack a little bit of it for them? Am I indoctrinating them? No, I am doing what scripture has told me to do, which is to train up my children in God's way, not my way. What I'm not saying is, Lucy and Nora, I need you guys to follow and listen to me because that's that's what you're supposed to do. And that's, you know, I'm telling you this. No, 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 no. I, I'm saying God says, hey, wait for the Lord and be strong and courageous. Uh, we were talking about that last night. I'm not saying, daddy's not saying, not even church is saying, be strong and courageous, but wait for the Lord. God says that. And here's the thing. If your church at least proclaimed the scriptures on stage, from the pulpit, in small group, in youth group, and even though they may have been legalistic, but they still said, this is what scripture says, that is profitable because scripture is clear about itself. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting in righteousness and training in righteousness. I think it's Second Timothy or Thessalonians. I forget. What does that mean? That means anything that you were taught through scripture was useful. And so deconstructing, right, the, is has come from this emerging church movement, this millennial and Gen Z movement. It's this entrepreneurial religious movement that is striving to achieve this social legitimacy and, and spiritual vitality by, you know, actively basically just disassociating from the roots of conservative evangelical Christianity and, and deconstruct now, now we're deconstructing basically what the the today's interpretations or expressions of Christianity are, right? Conservative is not a political party. Conservative is what scripture calls us to be. We are to be conservative, not licentious, licentious or liberal in our decisions and our doings. Conservative in our the way we live. We don't just live with reckless abandon, right? No, we live in self-control. That's another word for conservative. Being conservative is to be self-controlled. We are liberal in our love towards those around us because Christ, now don't get me wrong when I say was liberal, he was loving perfectly, okay? He wasn't just liberal and generous. He was perfectly loving to everyone that he loved. Now, that does not mean that you cannot love and also hold people to the truth. Right, like one of the things this article said in, in why you should deconstruct your faith after they said they had their third deconstruction, which just doesn't make any sense. There are certainly many, this is a quote, there are certainly many Christians who identify as evangelical and also put loving God and their neighbor before being right in wielding supposed absolute truths like a cudgel. Okay, you can wield the absolute truth that scripture portrays and still love God and your neighbor. You're not supposed to put one before the other. You're supposed to have them simultaneously. There's a reason why Christ says, be like me, right? Holy as I am holy. Part of doing that is to simultaneously, as Christ does, which we can't do perfectly because we're not perfect like him, simultaneously be loving 
and confrontational in the truth, right? Speaking the truth in love. You, you're not not speaking the truth because you're loving. You're loving by speaking the truth, right? It's very clear. And yet we are getting it so mixed up in our, our church right now where we're deconstructing everything, where we're calling into question the inerrancy of scripture for no reason. There's nothing wrong with growing up in the church and having someone say scripture is inerrant and you believe that for the rest of your life. And if someone says, how do you know scripture is inerrant? And you just say, well, all scripture is God breathed. So if it's all scripture is God breathed, then it's inerrant. And someone says, well, really, what is that just what your church taught you? And you say, yes, but also that's what scripture says. That's why when I, I think Cliff and I were talking about it, it's not deconstructing. It's looking at scripture and saying, yeah, but no, the scripture is true. Right? Scripture is right. Or it's even going back and looking at, sure, I went to a legalistic church, but scripture was still scripture and it was true when it said that I shouldn't go sleep with my girlfriend because it's sexually immoral. Right? Or practicing homosexuality is a sin. Or practicing lying and greed without repentance is a sin. Even with repentance, it's still a sin, but unrepentantly doing anything shows that I'm not a Christian. Like, I mean, these are truths within scripture that even if you went to a legalistic or a charismatic AOG, no legalism at all kind of church, if they still preached that truth and they said, this is what scripture said, even if they say, this is what I said, but scripture was still referenced, it's still true. It doesn't mean we have to be basically like sniffing out every false thing we were told when we were younger and deconstructing everything. Because here's the thing, when you deconstruct, it's like ripping skin, okay? Even ripping a scab, it's not always good to just rip up your scabs, right? It needs to heal. Even if there's a wound, it needs to heal before you can rip off the dead skin. If you're constantly ripping off skin before you've had time to heal or you've had time to let scripture be the balm for your wound, then you will be left bitter and resentful. And you're going to have this mixed up idea because here's the problem. Now you're not going to love the church anymore. You're going to think that being the church is just love and grace and there's no there's no room for tr- for speaking the truth. Like that's not love. And so that's that's the difficulty. And I see this now. I see a lot of people who don't love the church like Christ loves the church. Christ loves the church. He loves his bride. He laid his life down for his bride. He, the lamb who was slain to make his bride, to present her holy and blameless. Do you think that's the that's a, the type of God who's a, who's like, no, I'm sorry, you're legalistic. I can't. I can't love you. Sorry, you don't you don't get love. No, he died for our legalism, our sinful legalism, right? He died for that. He loves the church. And you should love the church. So, anyway, I this song, right, is not a bad song, but it's I believe it's dangerous in that it's saying something Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. It's saying that religion and tradition are not a part of being in Christ. That's what it's That's what it's hinting at. You can say that I'm being a little bit nitpicky. That's fine. But I believe that's what it's hinting at. And that's not, that's not true. Yes, trust me. I've, I have been hurt by the church before. 
But I love the church. I've I have gone up against people who are steeped in tradition and unable to see past how the church has been running for XYZ amount of years. Being being able to basically just say like you know we've we've always had xyz we've always had flags on stage we've always done a hymn here we've always read this scripture we've always done this this or even new traditions we only do fast songs in the beginning and we only do three songs and we only ever do this type of music and we only ever do these types of sermons right both are not right but both are not tradition wrong traditions in the sense that they are inherently evil they are just misguided and hopefully right we can speak the truth in love rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater. and this is why we get churches that are splitting in generations generational splits in churches because the younger generation myself included have looked at the older generation as stuck and unable to see reason and the older generation has seen the younger generation as a threat to the way things have been that's not white evangelicalism that's just generational bias okay that's the issue it's not white evangelicalism and tradition it's generational bias younger people are more prone to be biased towards freedom and expression and change right shown throughout those three things older people are biased towards stability and comfort in those ways both are wrong okay so let's remember that and let's be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater and deconstruct when there is no cause or reason to do so christ has not called us to deconstruct he's called us to put off the old and put on the new and he's not talking about the new way of thinking right there's nothing new under the sun he's talking about putting on his newness his perfection his holiness if you want to deconstruct your faith and say you have to love your neighbor and yet lie and don't repent of it are greedy and don't repent of it lust sexually immoral fill in the blank you are committing sins that you are not repentant of you're not actually pursuing holiness then your pursuit of loving your neighbor is false and you're really not even doing them a favor and the same can be said for an older generation who says i love the lord i read my bible i have community group I, I I live for the Lord, and yet you would look at someone who possibly, let's say drinks, right? Not an alcoholic, but someone who likes to drink or to have a cigar. And you would say that person is sinful or wrong, or someone wears jeans in church, right? And you would say that person's sinning. You're wrong. You're not doing anyone a favor. And I would say that your discipline, in quotes, that you say you've been doing isn't really effective isn't really actually having a heart change, a life change. So do not put your hat on breaking up your tradition or your religion and deconstructing. Die on the hill of sanctification, of daily dying to yourself, praying for your soul and the souls of others who you may disagree with. 
and praying for the church that we as Christ's bride would be presented as holy and blameless because we are dying to ourselves and sacrificing like Christ sacrificed for us. We would be humble. We would be loving towards our neighbors because we know we never deserved the love of the Lord. That the curse that Adam was inflicted with, that all of mankind was inflicted with, was gracious. And the fact that we're still even alive every day is only by God's grace. And his shown through his son, and his love shown through his son, his death on the cross. It's the only reason. The amount of times I sin in a day should mean that I am completely cast out and and destroyed, but I'm not. So I have no right to sit here and look at the Lord and say, "Mm, you did the wrong thing with the church. Okay. So anyway, I hope that this has encouraged you. Um, This is kind of just something that was on my mind as I was talking to Cliff. And then when I was thinking about the song again, I really wanted to talk about this. So I hope, and look, if you have a thought, if you disagree, email me, theologyandmusic at gmail.com and let me know. But as always, hey, I hope this blessed you. I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you have a great Lord's Day this coming Sunday. I am almost done with recording my third album with the Grace Collective, so I'm I'm I miss going to church. I haven't been to church. I've I haven't been able to, to join corporately because I've been gone every weekend for in June and I'm gonna be gone this weekend when this drops. Um and so I miss the church. I love the church and I hope you do too. And I hope you have a wonderful Lord's Day and corporate worship. See you later. <laughs>